I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am so thrilled and honestly relieved to be having a conversation with a lovely friend, Mickey Scott Bay Jones. Mickey is a womanist, certified and accredited transformative leadership and narrative Enneagram coach and facilitator and with an international and intersectional understanding of social change and fierce dedication to cultivating personal transformation and resilience in social sector leaders. She authored Keep the Fires Burning, Conquering Stress and Burnout as a Mother, Baby Professional, and contributed to multiple books, including Becoming Like Creoles, Living and Leading at the Intersections of Injustice, Culture and Religion, and Keep Watch With Me, an Advent Reader for Peacemakers, the Journal of NA. AIITS, an Indigenous Learning Community and Center for Action and Contemplation's Wanting Journal. She's contributed to online and podcast communities, The Porch Magazine, Love Period, and more. Mickey is also a co-host on Bruce Reyes, Chow, and Friends. Mickey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah Jane. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I when you and I were talking about the topic of this podcast, I was like, this is everything I want to be talking about right now, everything that I think the world needs right now. And so I'm just really honored to have you. And like Mm -hmm. I said in the intro, like relieved, (laughs) like I just feel like, oh, this is the conversation I want to be having. So I'm so grateful you're here. Good. Yeah. It feels Mm -hmm. um, like such a, um, I mean, it's hard because when I like what it feels like to me is a potentially transformative moment. Um, collectively, right? Um, but it also feels like a very um, difficult crisis moment. I mean, of course, for the people who are feeling the brunt of it. But mm-hmm. it, there, are, there is also a moment of like crisis and conflict for so many of us, both internally and interpersonally, mm-hmm. that it it can feel really high stakes, right? Like every moment can mm-hmm. feel really high stakes, and it can just lead to overwhelm. So. I think one of the things that has come up for me in the last several years is like um, it helps to actually do the work in the moment as much as you can, right? We all have different capacities for that. And part of the way people like you and I do that is by learning in public, which is really scary and difficult. and because the internet internet lasts forever, right? So when you have conversations and you could look back in 10 years and be like, I ah, can't believe I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, that's part, that's the work, right? Is, is like yeah. uh, those of us, and it can feel like everybody has a platform now because we all do. It's, you know, like mm-hmm. social media, but um mm-hmm. you know, we're in a particular moment where it's really scary to do things like learn in public or, um, explore things or not know the answers, but that's to me where the transformation and the goodness is. So I know I kind of jumped right in without like even talking about who I am. So your listeners may be like, who is this girl? And what is she talking about? Yeah. yeah, I'm curious. So can we, let's go back a little bit. Like how did you get into this work, especially the work you're talking about of supporting change makers? Um, you know, what's your story? How, how did you get here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am one of those people that has changed a lot. So like when I talk about like being able to change your mind or like I've done a lot of work with people that is dialogue across difference, um, like helping people have conversations. I wrote a guidebook about how to talk about abortion over dinner. Like (laughs) I'm talking about serious (laughs) you know, conversations um, Mm -hmm. after kind of the 2016 election, helping people have conversations in their neighborhood or at their church um, Mm -hmm. where they were able to share their stories and hold the stories of other people. Um, That work, um, I think for me, has largely come out of having been in a lot of different communities, having changed myself, Mm -hmm. having really my whole life, not knowing it, been around a lot of different kinds of people. But mm-hmm. I didn't realize the gift of that, of course, as like a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old, you know? It's only looking back that I'm like, those relationships are what 
saved enough of my mind being open so that later when I had more information, I could expand who I thought belonged to me or who I was open to or what I was open to believing. And it was because I had the relationships to know that I couldn't categorize that person as wholly bad or wholly good. They just, Mm -hmm. they were people like me um, because of how I had, you know, those relationships that I had grown up with. So I used to be extremely conservative um, and people don't think that when they look at me, I'm a black queer woman. Um, and I have been really involved in kind of supporting change makers that people would say are on the left, right. Who are more mm-hmm. kind of in the struggle for liberation in various countries, um, around the world. But that's where I am today is this, mm-hmm. like, if you were to look at maybe my platform or the things that I've done or the people that I've been involved with in these very progressive interfaith um, spaces. Right. Um, but that's not where I've always been. And so sometimes people will look at me and be like, uh, how do we, how do we help people make the kind of changes you've made in kind of belief and, um, openness? And I don't, (laughs) I don't really know what the formula is. Um, but, but I've experienced a lot of change and I've also then found my pathway in that, um, You know, I'm not a, when I kind of had my awakening in, in kind of social movement space, I was already a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I had young children. Um, You know, I was really awakened by um, uh, the murder of Trayvon Martin. And so I had, Mm -hmm. I had little kids at the time Mm -hmm. um, that could have been Trayvon Martin. Right. And Mm -hmm. that really impacted me. Um, and so I wasn't a young activist that could kind of be in the streets. I had been a doula, a childbirth educator, mm-hmm. a lactation consultant. And then what I realized is that I could take those skills into supporting people instead of birthing babies who were birthing more love, justice, peace, um, empathy into the world. And so that became mm-hmm. my work is really how do I support people who are trying to push um, who are trying mm-hmm. to breathe a new way of being into the world, who are mm-hmm. like, you know, they need to do this work, but they have to also sustain themselves. So I became mm-hmm. really obsessed uh, in, in like, how do you build sustainable leadership practices? How do you, mm-hmm. like, what really is resilience? You know, it's kind of in some respects become a dirty word now. We don't want to be resilient. Yeah. We just want a soft life. Um, yeah. And so my work has been about how do we do that? And it, And it's a lot of different things. And that's how I even came in some respects, that's how I came into the Enneagram and, and really realizing the Enneagram could be used to sustain change makers and clergy and activists, organizers, people who are just trying to do good in the world and any of us who are trying to do good in the world, right? And mm-hmm. so that's, you know, all become a part of of what I'm doing. This is, I mean, like what you're describing is such important, beautiful work because I think of all areas being a change maker, I think is the area in which you feel not allowed to burn out. Like mm-hmm. I can go to a co- corporate job and burn out and be like, oh, that's what work is like. Or even in my own business, like burnout is like inevitable or it feels like, oh, rest is part of it. But when it's for a purpose that is so much bigger than you, it can feel like rest is directly failing or sure. directly doing the bad wrong thing um, Mm -hmm. and like finding that sustainable way to operate. I mean, I think it's really, really complicated. Mm -hmm. Not even rest, but joy. Yeah. I, I've seen like probably two or three at least people in the last couple of weeks um, apologize some in advance of like, Hey, I'm going to go to a wedding. So you're going to see pictures of me smiling on wow. my Instagram right now. And I'm like, how does it honor the people of Israel, Palestine to uh, not smile, like to not celebrate your friend's mm-hmm. wedding right now? That no, people who were engaged in going to have a wedding have died mm-hmm. and actually think it honors them more to have joy on your time, like true authentic joy. You're going to celebrate someone you love and have mm-hmm. joyful pictures from their wedding. I want to see that. I need, I also need that on my timeline. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't do them any good for us to pretend like our lives like in some other place really far away have no joy in it. Mm -hmm. But there's this, am I allowed 
to experience that right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, what I what I hope we can talk about today is like, mm-hmm. there are always crises happening. Like there are mm-hmm. always conflicts happening around the world. Um, we collectively as a society, and, and I heard there was a CNN poll that said only 26% of Americans are following the kind of Israel Hamas thing uh, closely. Only 26%. Wow. So wow. for some of us, right, who are dialed into it, it feels like everybody's watching it. But actually, uh-huh. that's not true. Um, so you're already part of a slim majority that actually really cares and is engaging. And I'm not saying you get brownie points for caring, but you mm-hmm. are a small percentage of people that, that are mm-hmm. engaging heavily. And so, but our, us being miserable, more miserable than you already are, doesn't mm-hmm. help them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't somehow put something into the universe that's helpful. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want us to talk about these things because in some ways that can be, become like a performative thing or it can help us feel better if like I'm somehow miserable in conjunction with that mm-hmm. misery. Um, whereas I have found the opposite often in like talking to friends um, who live in, I've got, I, I do know some folks who live in Bethlehem um, who are in the West Bank and being able to talk to them about my life right now, like us being mm-hmm. able to exchange our friendship um, is is part of what they want. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, they may be asking me to do specific things, mm-hmm. like let people know what we're going through or whatever. And I will do those things as well and have been particularly sharing them. But also there's a like you you still live your life wherever you live. It's definitely different if you're in the middle of the situation, but for those of us that aren't, we have to be realistic about what it means to still be human in a world that has conflict happening in it. Yeah. I'm thinking about, I think that he's our mutual Andre. Um, He posted recently about how it's like someone had DM'd him about like, Oh, are you paying attention to this genocide over here? And it's like, um, it's an interesting time when there's just so much crises like happening yeah. um, where this like balance of like wanting to be informed and proactive and engaged, but then also how do I not turn that into hypervigilance and obsession yes. and anxiety and chaos in my own brain and life? Yeah. Um, can we talk about that? I mean, think like you've talked before, you've mentioned like the traps of things that can happen in these moments. Um, what are some of those things that can come up as we kind of hold this nuance and this, the you know, you, I think you, you, when you phrased it to me, you said like the world is on fire. So how yeah. do we grow while the world is on fire? Yeah. Um, how do we, what are some things that can come up for us? Yeah. I mean, I think the trap is that we want someone to sort it out for us, mm-hmm. you know, like um, to give us points to argue for or against. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think somebody might even, I mean, I don't even know what you're going to title this, but like, or even as it gets out there, you know, people be, might be like, oh, finally, Sarah Jane is going to tell me what she mm-hmm. thinks about this. I, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. has anybody DM'd you and been like, I need to know what you're what your stance is on this? Oh, I don't think they. I think they know. <laughs> <laughs> because that's like I'm like, why are yeah. we asking twenty year old yeah. influencers what they think about? Like, they may right. not know anything. And and that's I think like I'm not reasonable. qualified, even though I know what I know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a newscaster. I'm not a journalist. Yeah. I. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I think part of it is people, you know, we so hyper identify. There's these parasocial relationships that we have with Mm -hmm. nearly everyone. Um, Even if you think about it, you have a parasocial relationship with like somebody you were friends with in high school over Mm -hmm. Facebook. You, unless you still do keep up with them, you don't actually know them anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But these relationships feel really real. Yeah. And um, because they're often based on like, your, you know, like you have a lifestyle brand. Like, so people mm-hmm. do feel like they know you, mm-hmm. but they don't. <laughs> like, 
they don't actually know anything about you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that in a point of crisis becomes scary. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, so have I invested in someone who, whose politic actually doesn't match mine? Yeah. Might we be on opposite sides of an issue, right? That now feels like a life or death issue. Mm-hmm. Not saying it isn't. I'm just saying we're now dealing with these feelings, mm-hmm. um, and 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 we also then don't maybe trust what we think we know of the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know what we want is some reassurance. You know mm-hmm. we want to feel less anxious. Um, we want to soothe our nervous systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to save ourselves shame. You know, but all of that is an inside job. It's uh, it's not that we have to do this work alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some ways, I like challenge us to do it with our actual people. Um, you know, like I was uh, in a, I think I was in a training recently. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was in a training, a DEI training with some other folks. And, um, you know, people in that training who would consider themselves DEI professionals were like, I don't know what to think about this situation and I don't know what to say about it. And I Mm -hmm. feel really ill-equipped. And these were all American-based folks who I think would say they feel pretty equipped to talk about injustice, uh, apartheid, and racial issues in the United States, but just felt completely out of their depth. And one of the things that I said, because in in that room, I was the person with the most kind of direct experience with Israel-Palestine, having been myself in in Christmas of 2017 into the new year of 2018 Mm -hmm. um, and co-leading a pilgrimage there. Um, But I I don't consider myself an expert in the region, but I had the most experience in that room. And and what I ended Mm -hmm. with, um, because part of it is people were like, I have Jewish friends that I love and that are saying one thing about this right now. I'm looking at all this stuff that's happening online. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, different people would probably say different things, but this one particular person in the room was, was kind of being brave enough to say that's kind of where they were. Mm-hmm. And, um, I said, and the kind of the bottom line is, is love on your people hard. Yeah. Like whoever your people are right now that you're in direct relationship with. Love on those people hard. I think if you can lead with relationships. Now, sometimes a moment like this, mm-hmm. where you're in deep transformation, you're learning, you're changing the thing, you're you're kind of um, questioning things you thought you knew. Um, you're processing new information. You're trying mm-hmm. to kind of make decisions about things. It can lead to relationship rupture. Yeah. And sometimes that relationship rupture needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But I think if we can handle each other carefully, mm-hmm. it's uh, we're probably going to do better than if we're careless with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can figure out ways to kind of work through what we're learning and still hold the relationship, again, sometimes it can happen and sometimes it can't. Mm-hmm. But if we start with kind of that commitment, it can really help. One of my one of my like favorite phrases in kind of social movement world is let's be careful with each other so we can be dangerous together. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, oh, yeah. it just gives me shivers. Yeah. I'm like, I want to be careful with you mm-hmm. um, so that we can actually dismantle these systems and and change our world together. But it often feels like one has to be sacrificed for the other. And I just mm-hmm. want to challenge that as much as I can in relationships. It's a much slower process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't always end up doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like Same, same, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, it's it's what I think is going to get us to this like liberated future that we that so many of us say we want. Which like when you when you were talking earlier about 
you know, your past with being conservative and kind of how you transitioned out of that, I was thinking about, okay, how did that go for me? And it was a hundred percent in relationship. It was people that I loved coming out and saying, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm gay, I'm queer. And like, I have this person that I care about and me loving them and being like, Oh, whoa, I can't condemn you to hell. Like that doesn't feel like God to me. (laughs) And so I had to change. And I think that when I, I mean, to be transparent, like when 2019 happened and Black Lives Matter started coming up, I was extremely like anyone who voted for, I mean, this was 2016, I guess, like anyone who voted for Trump, anyone who doesn't believe Black Lives Matter, like get off my page, never speak to me again, (laughs) get out of my life, like never, you know, and it was just very, and then I mean, I, like you said, it was like maybe four or five years later where I was like, oh, I'm not going to change anybody's mind yeah. like that. I'm never going to impact anyone like that. And not to like harp on this piece of it, but at the same time, like I have the privilege to hold those conversations safely Yeah, that like actually it's my duty to have those conversations, yeah. those like painful, difficult, slow okay, you may not be there yet, but I'm going to keep inviting you in. Yeah. Like that is my job. Like that is like a hundred percent. And I think what you're saying, like love on your people, you know, I hear you saying like, make people, let people know they're safe with you and continue to have these relationships. You can continue to have these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and because you're not like, there are going to be things you can do that with that I can't that I can mm-hmm, do it with mm-hmm. that you can't, you know? And so it's like, that's why I don't think it's everybody's duty to do everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's o- and that's okay. You but know? Mickey, it feels like it is. <laughs> I know. I know. And I just, I, you know, we got to have on-ramps. Like we, mm-hmm. very few of us were like, you know, raised by uh, Black Panthers or, you know, like, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of like a white activist that I know, like very few of us were just raised Mm -hmm. by someone that we had all of this knowledge from Mm -hmm. the beginning. So we all had points where we learned things. Mm -hmm. And so like, somebody's got to provide some on-ramps for the next person to learn a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But that feels really scary. Mm-hmm. I know I've been in rooms where I've been afraid to admit that I haven't read every Angela Davis book. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm supposed to know all that stuff already, mm-hmm. but I don't. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Today's podcast is sponsored by Copilot. Copilot is an affordable one-on-one remote personal training service that provides personalized workouts tailored to your goals and available equipment. You get accountability and support from a real person with the flexibility to work out on your own schedule all for a fraction of the cost of in-person training. If you've been on my podcast in the last two months, then you have heard me talk about Copilot. It is probably on my good things list every single week right now. I am obsessed. Here's the thing. I love to move my body, but I am really not a consistent person. I love change. I love mixing things up. And I do so well with accountability, especially accountability that is on my phone. So the way that Copilot works is you have a personalized coach. You have someone who works with you directly. So I work with Samantha and she and I text, I mean, through the app almost daily. She checks in. I give her feedback. We, she kind of asks me how I'm doing right now. I am feeling sick. So it's been a couple days and she just sent me a little message to check in and was like, Hey, how you doing? Everything good. Are our goals feeling good where we are? And I just, you know, let her know I was sick and I I'm really looking forward to going back. Here's the other thing. She customizes my workouts for me based on my real life, right? Not based off of some ideal. And we talk through what's a 
reasonable way to move my body. We started at a 15 minute workout three days a week and that felt really easy for me. We had another meeting and she was like, what are some new goals we have? We created a step goal together. We upped my workouts together and she created a new plan for me. I was able to tell her that my focus was on how I wanted to feel in my body, not how I wanted my body to look. She respected that, trusted that. And I started like tracking the metrics that worked for me. So I'm not tracking weight loss necessarily. I'm tracking happiness and confidence and back pain and joint mobility. My goals were really focused on how I feel in my body, not necessarily on how my body looks. Everybody gets to set their own goals. That being said, we have made adjustments. I've I've told her that what I really like is variety and she has given me really fun workouts that help with both mobility and endurance and allow me more variety than I tend to give myself or that I can t- find online. The best part about Copilot, in my opinion, is the accountability. The sense that someone is watching, someone's checking in, did you do the thing that you said you were going to do? I am personally someone who can make a lot of reasons why it may not be the thing I want to do that day, you know, give myself permission to take a break or take it off. But if I really want to do this and I want someone, I don't want to let her down, right? I don't want her to feel like she did all this work for nothing. So it's easy for me to stick to this plan because I want to honor the effort that Samantha has put in. So if you are similar to me, you love to move your body, but maybe it's hard to remain consistent and a little accountability would be nice. And the flexibility that I've had with travel and being at home, we do all home workouts. And then if I'm traveling, she adjusts it based off of the assumption that I'm not going to have equipment. But if you go to a gym, your coach can adjust it to your needs there as well. So one of my favorite tools for building confidence is a consistent movement practice that pushes you past your perceived limits. But honestly, I've always struggled with the balance of how far do I push myself and having a coach and a trainer to talk through these decisions with has made me has been such a game changer. I've pushed myself further than I ever thought I could and I feel stronger than I ever have. So I absolutely love it. I left my coach right away, but if for some reason yours doesn't feel like a great fit, you can change it up at no additional cost. So I would love for you to follow my lead to prioritizing movement, feeling confident, and give Copilot a try. Find out why it was listed by Forbes as the top-rated personal trainer app of 2023. Head to go.mycopilot.com/egram to get a 14-day free trial with your own personal trainer. That's go.mycopilot.com slash egram to get a free 14-day trial with your very own personal trainer. Take a back seat and let Copilot help you reach your fitness goals. Thank you, Copilot, for supporting the podcast and being my favorite thing ever. And it's, it's, I hear you saying too, like knowing all this stuff about all the issues and all of the things happening in the world, how do we balance that sense of, I want to say, I don't want to say duty. I think I want to say like, um, passion or, Mm. um, empathy and concern. How do we hold that? without being, you know, where I have gone in the past, right, which is like a the path of like hypervigilance of deep anxiety of like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to be informed on everything. I'm going to know everything. I'm going to be as like on top of all the issues that I can possibly on top of. And if someone had sent me that DM that, you know, got sent to Andre, like I would also then do the research to understand that and then be consuming all the information about everything so that I could know what's happening. everywhere. What's the difference between that and making actual change? Yeah. I mean, I want to be clear that I'm not saying we should be doing spiritual bypassing, Mm -hmm. like just, oh, you know, it's all just part of the way the world turns or like trying to make it seem like violence and death and destruction are a gift to anyone. 
Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not even the kind of person who is like, just going through what I went through with my divorce was a gift or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I have a really hard time in real time feeling like a hard thing or a conflict is a good, is is like a gift. (laughs) You know, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, we're both Enneagram teachers. Like, uh, I, I, I admire in a lot of ways. Um, and you're, you know, and you're, you lead with a seven. Like I, I admire how sevens can like hit that silver lining immediately. Like, (laughs) because it takes me months or years (laughs) sometimes to get to that silver lining. So, uh, I'm not like, I don't think that that's the way, like, uh, mm-hmm. I think when something is shitty, we just, it's just shitty. Mm-hmm. Like I, uh, but I think sometimes the pain hits us differently. Like, um, I'm a very sensitive person. Mm-hmm. I personally, no matter who it is, um, uh, like, Because people right now, and this will happen with, you know, if there is a very publicized, maybe like shooting of a black person in America, right? People be like, watch the video. Don't look away. Now, I'm a black Mm -hmm. person, so I don't watch those videos, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, I haven't watched a lot of videos or photos of dead bodies coming out of Gaza right now. that's not for me, for my mm-hmm. sensitivities, the way my nervous system is set up. I literally will have ruminating nightmares all night long, yeah. potentially even from talking about it like this. Like that's just how my brain is. And I'm not, and I think there are people doing extremely important work sharing those mm-hmm. images and videos. I choose to share other things. I share what Jewish yeah. Voices for Peace are doing. I was deeply moved by their protest in Grand Central Station mm-hmm. and just the huge number of people who showed up for that. Those are the kinds of things I share versus sharing the dead bodies. Other people yeah. may share, but like you have to understand your personal sensitivities, what you can see and not see. I listen to news. I don't watch news, Yeah. right? I'm not saying don't be informed. Or don't process the grief. But my way of processing this grief has been, I've been really kind of paying attention to that for myself Mm -hmm. and slowing down with that. Like my initial kind of thing as a type one, I was very like, I just, I need to come in and I need to like, the right thing to do right now is to speak up about Mm. what people, like help people understand what they're seeing. This is a, a, you know, a moment of the apartheid state exploding. Yeah. And it's not the wrong thing to do, but I wasn't actually tapped into my feeling in that moment when I did that. My, like I have posted about this twice versus, Mm -hmm. I mean, my story is a lot, but posted about it twice. And this is not about Israel, Palestine. So I don't want people to think like I'm telling them what to do, that this is what this episode is about. This is for me in any crisis moment, what I'm noticing in myself as a type one Mm-hmm. When I don't slow down and let this be a transformative moment for me, I just double down on type structure. Just yeah. double down. This yeah. isn't even about going to four, going to seven. I'm just talking about how yeah. I double down on my type structure. And it the place for me to go is like, what's the right thing for me to do in this moment? How will I be right? How will I be good? Mm-hmm. Um, and that and i and even someone who has worked on this and helps other people work on this like really grounding and kind of all of their places of wisdom head heart and body i still mm-hmm. pff, like the first thing i did was like yeah. i need to do this part right i need to do the right thing and my first post was kind of a blunt instrument it was like mm-hmm. i need to talk about the apartheid state right now and like yeah. this is what happens when people live in an apartheid state mm-hmm. And nothing I said in that post to me, I, I wouldn't, I didn't take it down. I don't think it was wrong. Right. It was just a blunt instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, because one of my kind of key uh, principles of life is, is love, is empathy, connection. Like those are really important to me. 
my sec, like, and then after I took a few days to kind of, to check in with my people in Bethlehem, to like feel into the pain of the moment of people who had loved ones taken as hostages, of uh, Palestinians running for their lives, of, you know, my Jewish friends here that were afraid of how anti-Semitism were going to, was going to, you know, blow up in the United States. All of these things and these different people I love, because I'm just blessed to know people of different religions, of different backgrounds coming from all over the world. I, I, my second post was about a, the woman who first greeted me when I got to Bethlehem because I arrived differently from the rest of my group and in the middle of the night was greeted by a Palestinian uh, Muslim woman in a, in a little like women's hostel. (laughs) Uh, She didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any Arabic. And we're like trying to talk to each other. And she actually, she wasn't Muslim. She was a Christian. She invited her, like um, her priest over. And so now there are two people who only speak Arabic and I only speak English (laughs) and we're like hanging out watching Mm -hmm. TV, trying to talk to each other and communicate with each other and just her sweetness and kindness. And I remembered her and Mm -hmm. thought about, I wonder where she is and I hope she's okay, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, but I, I, it took me a minute to tap into that. Right. Because, but that was no more right. I think. Um, but it, it, I was able to tap into the humanity of like, it's right to also talk about the people right now. Yeah. The the only right thing is not to be like, you all need to understand the apartheid state. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm, and so I, that was me doing my own work mm-hmm. around like, what do I actually want to be focused on in this moment? And as someone who supports change makers, like to be in line with who I am and my work in the world is, I need to take a breath and say, okay, I, one of the things I want to do is remind people to, to connect with their people and the stories that they know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and let that be their guide. And I need to do that myself then. So let me just, <laughs> let me roll it back mm-hmm. and do that connection point, right? And it wasn't the best like put together story. It wasn't like about my brand. It was about, mm. am I living according to the things that I say are important to me? Mm-hmm. But I needed to have, like, it took me some time. And so that's the only way that I like wish I had just slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. And all of this is part of my work of being transformed in a moment of crisis. Mm. So that's what I mean. Like, I'm not, I don't want to cheapen these moments of like deep crisis or conflict as like, use it as a moment of transformation for you. But they're already there. These, you know, like you said, somebody getting in Andre's inbox and being like, but what about, what about, what about? Mm Mm-hmm. Take your pick of any moment of crisis happening worldwide right now. Right, right. You could literally just focus on poverty of children in America. Like mm-hmm. there's always a moment of crisis. Mm-hmm. And then we're also dealing with the micro little moments of crisis, little in terms of, it, it, you know, different from the world stage. Like whether you're going through a divorce, your child leaving the, the house, um, you know, getting fired. Um, maybe your bills aren't quite, you know, matching what you make this month, whatever it is, these are always moments of kind of transformation for us if we can be available to them, which we can't always be, but when we can, it can be a part of us kind of sustaining ourselves versus just succumbing to overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear you saying like, a lot about holding that space, allowing yourself to grow, noticing, you know, how, what's my first inclination and then how can I slow this down? How can I deepen in? And I I hear you saying a lot of like deepening it into your feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And my, my head type is like hearing like, oh, right. I tend to do this work from like the neck up. Um, And because I'm terrified. Of yeah. opening. I mean, 
if I feel the pain that is being felt around the world right now, like the seven in me is like, well, I will never get out of that. How will I ever return? Um, Because there's just so much pain. And, but I, I love what you said about the micro level of, okay, we're, we're seeing, we have our micro crises, we have our macro crises. Like how do we build resilience in the small things? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Where does that resilience come from? What are some tools? Yeah. I love talking about like resilience tools because I do think Mm -hmm. we just kind of think resilience is like this thing you either have or you don't have, which is kind of how people have talked about it before. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's there's actually like a whole world of research on resilience. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I, I see Enneagram as a resilience tool, you know, because I think it can help us know ourselves more deeply. Um, you know, so like when we find ourselves in this, in a like transformative moment or like desiring transformation, like this moment appears and we're like, actually, I want to navigate this moment differently. I, I do want to be open to learn and know the truth or, um, just I'm questioning and I want to be a part of kind of changing. Right. And so like, so there, here's a few things. Like I, I thought of several things that I have seen be helpful. So I do think practicing self-compassion, that's the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, you know, the foundation of practicing self-compassion is self-discovery. I don't care if you use the Enneagram or you use something else. If you hate the Enneagram, I mean, I don't know why you'd be listening <laughs> to Sarah Jane, but if you do, like, I don't care. Astrology, I don't, I just, it doesn't matter. But self-discovery and then compassion for what you know and what you don't know the situation you're finding yourself yourself in for what's made you, you, you know, um, like I said, self-compassion for like the joy you're feeling in a moment of collective pain. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just being, uh, like self-compassion for being a full human being. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that's, I think the first thing is this like practice of self-compassion, but I think that comes with, fully seeing yourself, which is, I think, the beauty of a tool like the Enneagram. That's one of the gifts that it can give to us. The second thing I think is the other kind of main gift that the Enneagram gives us is like, um, is empathy for other people. Um, There's this um, saying by Dylan Marin. Um, He gave an amazing TED Talk and it's in this TED Talk. He says, empathy is not an endorsement. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> I literally have it on my desk and I look at it every day. Empathy is not an endorsement. Mm. And um, I, I uh, was listening to um, this uh, a podcast that I listened to is called The Assignment and it's uh, with Audie Cornish. Um, and I think it's an NPR podcast, but um, they were talking about the CNN poll that was like, do you have more sympathy for the Israelis or, or more sympathy for the Palestinians? And I'm like, what a terrible poll question. (laughs) Like, wow, we can't have sympathy for everybody. We can't have empathy for everybody in this situation. Like, wow. Why would we juxtapose, juxtapose those two things? Mm -hmm. Um, So like the, I think uh, one of the gifts of the Enneagram is having empathy for others that are different from you. Like learning, you think a particular way, you you have a strategy for navigating the world and other people have another one. They're not bad. They're not wrong. I mean, sometimes people are bad and wrong, (laughs) but for the most part, they're not bad or wrong. Right. They're just using a different strategy. They're just Mm -hmm. navigating the world in a different way. And so like in, in this moment, right, like some people are trying to learn everything they can. You know, they're trying to sort through all the information and they're not sure how to talk about it. And maybe they're talking about it with their friends in real life or with their partner or whatever, but they're not talking about it online. That's okay. Some maybe are connecting to stories. Um, and, and like, that's okay. I've been really moved by how Alyssa Milano is showing up online. Like, again, I don't expect like 
artists and actors to be activists at all. But she's really involved, I think, in like children's stuff in the UN, like just children surviving the planet. And so that's been her thing is like, I don't care who you are, but children are suffering. How do we end Mm -hmm. the suffering of children? Which is an alignment with like her core values. You know, she's she's interested in the stories of human beings and how human beings survive, particularly children. So, you know, for a particularly connecting type, maybe a type two, their thing would be like really connecting to people's stories. And so what would it mean to not connect to people's stories based on a side, but connect to other human beings, period, Mm. that are suffering, right? Like that's not a bad stance, but we sometimes can think it's a bad stance because it's like, no, you, you need to be more connected to people's stories of suffering on this side. Yeah. Um. You know, so we're all kind of doing different things. Even somebody who's like trying to perform right now, mm-hmm. having some empathy for somebody who's trying to perform because like they're essentially seeking safety with that performance, right? Yeah. So like, can you have empathy for it without endorsing it? Mm-hmm. That's a whole thing you can practice on. Yeah. Um, because like they have to do their work. You got to do your work. Keep your eyes on your own paper. That's enough work for us to be doing to like, just keep your eyes on your own paper and let whatever you're seeing other people do unlock something in you that you need to work on, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think the last thing that I would say in, in like a transformative moment is like, think about your relationship to changing your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, I actually think changing your mind is a sacred act. Um, and, and part of, I think where we get confused about this is we have this idea that like God, the divine, like never changes their mind, Mm -hmm. which I actually don't think is true. (laughs) I think we actually have stories in, I only really know the Christian tradition because that's what I've literally been theologically trained in, but, um, actually as in growing up as a Christian, like, um, you know, we could argue that, uh, there are stories where where people kind of argue with Jesus and Jesus changes his mind, right? Yeah, where people yeah. petition the Lord and God changes their mind, right? So mm-hmm. I, you know, you can kind of read anything you want into scripture, but I, so I place my lot in with, we can see a divine character that changes their mind. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think it's actually a really sacred act. And sometimes you're not going to change your mind. But in order for a moment to be transformative, being open to the possibility that your mind could change, sometimes that is about external things, but sometimes it's about yourself, right? How can I change my mind about myself in this moment? Mm-hmm. What it means to be me if I do this or that, or if I believe this or that, or if I'm moved by this person or that person, I think that can be really transformative for us to kind of not buy into the social idea of, you know, flip-flopping is bad or you have to, you know, hold to this mm-hmm. idea or belief. Um, it can, it, it, it's, nobody stays the same. You do not believe the same thing as you did when you were five or 15 or 25. You change over time. And that's a good thing. <laughs> Like you, yeah. we actually do want people to change. Yeah. Um, and so um, I think that that is, you know, the last thing that I would say is like, it doesn't cost you anything financially. It might cost you something in your relationships, but it might gain you something too, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Mickey, um, you're absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. I could listen to you forever. Mm. Um, for those who are wanting to deepen work with you or connect with you further, how can they yeah. how can they do that? Where can they go? Well, I have a website. Um, I and it's just my name, MickeyScottBayJones.com. I'm the only Mickey Scott Bay Jones that exists on the planet. So <laughs> even if you Google me, you're gonna find me. Um, I have a YouTube channel that is like a little small but lighty YouTube channel. I'm like trying to add to it and things. Um, 
And I have these really cute little um, Enneagram videos that I did with Kristen Howerton. So I, uh, one on each type. So I totally um, encourage people to look that up. But um, I am uh, going to have a workshop just for your listeners. Um, and it's, I'm still playing with the title, but it's um, still doing your work while the world's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> because, and I mean like doing your work in multiple ways. Um, mm-hmm. but like one of, that's one, kind of one of the things that I have, um, kind of helped change makers with is how do we actually stay in this long term? right? We want to, mm-hmm. whether you are a change maker by your profession or you're just somebody who cares about the world and other humans and whales and things <laughs> like how do we, uh, you know, build that resilience and stay in, stay as a caring, loving human being for as long as we can? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we become those elders that support the next generation? Because I like hanging out with elders a lot and I've tried to learn as much mm-hmm. as I can from them, you know? So I, I, I'm got this little workshop that I'm, um, putting together about how we kind of tap into nine different strategies to do that. So, I would love to send that to folks if they want to sign up for my newsletter. And I'm kind of in this like relaunching phase of my business, which feels really weird to be doing at this time. And I also have seen people apologize for that. But like the 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 like reality is we all live in this capitalist world and we have to eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not ashamed of needing to eat even right now. So you know, I'm going to continue to stay in my lane and do the work that my soul must have that I do. And that is accompanying people. So I would love to accompany folks who listen to this and feel a kinship with me. So Mm -hmm. that's me. Thank you. And friends, we will link everything to Mickey in the show notes so you can easily grab the workshop, connect with her online. Um, Mickey, you know I adore you. I am so, so glad you are here. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah Jane. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.